Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Gentry Estes of the Tennessean. We will talk about Gentry's article over the weekend, which details Vanderbilt's indecision about playing football this fall. We will get into we will get into the reasons why and the potential ramifications if there is no football season for Vanderbilt. This show is sponsored by the Well Coffee House, a Nashville area coffee house that provides fresh roasted coffee along with house-made pastries, breakfasts, and lunch offerings. There are four locations to serve you in the Nashville area. Those are Brentwood, Green Hills, downtown, and Bellevue. More information can be found at wellcoffeehouse.org, the Well Coffee House where coffee changes lives. We thank our co-presenting sponsor, Wellspire, Nashville's Learning and Development Center, located in the Gulch. Our news is presented by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in any type of an accident, call Taylor or Russell at 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Well, I'll raise the question again. Will Vanderbilt play football this fall? That is uncertain at this point. Players are already on campus, and freshmen will be reporting on June the 15th, but again, the university has not set a firm decision as to whether it will hold football games this fall. The guest line will be brought to you by Bowling Branch, which was started by Vanderbilt graduate Scott and Missy Tannen. Had no clue how comfortable Bowling Branch sheets were until I got them. They are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to BowlingBranch.com. That's spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code Vandy and get $50 off your first set of sheets. Our guest, Gentry Estes of the Tennessean, joins us now. This episode is happening because Gentry wrote an excellent piece in the Tennessean this weekend. I will let him explain in case you haven't read it. Gentry, thanks for joining us. Tell us about the piece that you wrote this weekend. Yeah, basically it was just a column on the idea. of Right now you have uh, 13 out of the 14 SEC schools have announced plans to have in-person classes in the fall. Uh, the only one in the league that has it is Vanderbilt, and uh, Vanderbilt has said they're they're going to take a few more weeks to kind of figure out how that's going to go. And yeah, you know, there's some uncertainty there about what might happen. Uh, so I kind of put put the idea out there and said, well, what what does happen if you know 13 SEC schools are making this big push to play, and, and Vanderbilt doesn't want to. And um, I, I think, you know, I, I think there's several aspects to that in that you know, Vanderbilt's campus is located in the middle of a large city, certainly more so than a lot of the other teams in the league. There's a big difference in playing in a smaller town like like a Tuscaloosa, Auburn, Starkville, places like that versus, uh, you know, West End and Nashville. And, and I think some of the reluctance would be understandable given given the location you know that there, there's a hospital on campus there there's a lot of things that make Vanderbilt a little different from the rest of the league I think in terms of this discussion so I just kind of put it out there I, I think it I will say I think it's too early to know but Chris let's say Vanderbilt does come out with their plan for students in the fall and they don't commit to in-person classes uh, their plans put in place for remote learning uh, these are things that, that they could have. 
Yeah, and I want to get to some of the other things in a minute, but is it fair to say this is really more a university decision than an athletics decision? Because I think at first, right, we're waiting to see whether the university opens, which you just said. My understanding after talking to a source on campus this morning is the Board of Trust is going to make that decision this week. So I'm assuming that – and maybe there would be special privileges for football. I doubt it, given the way that Vanderbilt has run its athletics programs in relations to its, to the university. But I'll just throw that out there as an option. I guess what I'm getting at is – it seems like it's the school end that's got to fall into line, and then it's football next. Is that a good read on it? Sure. At this point, certainly, because you've had so many of these other schools where the administration has been pretty strong about we're going to have in-person learning. The, the Auburn school president you taped a video uh, sent out to the students that, that he said very plainly, we're going to have football season. Uh, I think there's there's a real push for that around the conference, especially now when you have uh, players coming back on campus for workouts. Um, you know, Vanderbilt's doing that too. And, uh, you know, you have to believe from the standpoint of the athletic department, they're going to do everything they can to play. They, they wouldn't be bringing football players back already and making the effort to do that and try to be safe and all the precautions that are needed unless there was a sincere belief they're going to be playing football. And I, I think, yeah, if, if you're talking about the athletic department, I mean, they want to play. I mean, I know there's this perception out there that maybe football is not as important at Vanderbilt as it is to other schools in the league, but but I, I don't think that factors into this as much because, uh, look, Vanderbilt's bottom line is not going to be a lot different from some of these other schools that, that straight up need football. They need football's revenue uh, to be able to sustain. If, if anyone's ever seen, uh, Vanderbilt being a private school, we don't, we don't have access to the numbers, but uh, pretty much across the league, if you look, uh, with the exception of maybe Kentucky basketball and a couple other programs, you you have a scenario where most schools are basically breaking even on men's basketball or making a little revenue and then not making money on any other sport, losing money on every other sport. Football makes enough money to cover all that. So if you take away football season or if you don't have – fans and stadiums or, or everything else, not only are you talking about that, but you're talking about the local economies in a lot of these, these towns, uh, you know, in Nashville, maybe not as big a concern there with the local economy, but Vanderbilt's bottom line as an athletic department, sure. They need football just like anybody else to be able to support that. So I, I think uh, from the athletic standpoint, yeah, if it's, if it's their decision that they're obviously going to play, but uh, I, I agree that, institutionally the fact that Vanderbilt has been a little more reluctant to say their plans from the academic standpoint and what they're going to have on campus I think is enough to to at this point in the game at least get some attention that well hey we don't know yet what Vanderbilt's saying they're going to do we know what everybody else is saying they're going to do well it's interesting that your article came out this week and I did not see it till Saturday night, but I had run into an acquaintance from the athletic department just at random when I was out and about Saturday and just kind of started with the throwaway question of how are things over there? And the response I got is, well, we're just waiting to see if there's football, which I didn't really take seriously at the time, but it seems to me like there may be a lot of nervousness over there because boy, if football doesn't play this fall that begs a whole different set of questions involving revenues and athletic budgets for other sports and 
I mean, I think it extends to losing players potentially through transfers. There's all kinds of ways this could go. Well, and let's say that Vanderbilt as a university doesn't feel comfortable with in-person classes uh, and other schools are trying to do that. And again, with the location and, and so many things make Vanderbilt a bit of a special case in the league when it comes to that, uh, wanting to, 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 to have students on campus, the location. I mean, there's all sorts of things you have to consider there that maybe some other schools wouldn't say Vanderbilt chooses not to do that. Well, can you can you have a football season if if all the students aren't there? I, I mean, you know that that's that's the issue that college football faces that that you know the pros don't have to worry about here is the fact that these are students and they're going to need to to be in classes now. Maybe there is some sort of exemption be, can be made uh, for football. And, and again, I think it. it Power players back for for summer workouts right now because uh, you know if they weren't doing that I'd say that'd be an enormous red flag but they are so I, I think you could you can assume at this point that they're expecting to play or they're moving forward as if they are but again the uh, the, the question I, I agree with you is going to be at an institutional level more than than an athletic level and and when that you know when that happens you could make a case that there are certain schools in that league. Uh, University of Alabama, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, some others. They're they're not about to go without football season here. Uh, it's 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 too significant for too many reasons. And in Vanderbilt, I think it's significant, but it's not as many reasons. I got the impression reading your story, you'd ask the SEC for comment. They did. did I didn't think want any part of that from the way it sounded, which I don't blame them, but. Do you have any sense of of what happens if if they don't? I mean, because that's a big check Vanderbilt's getting not to play football. Well, and and the aspect too is, uh, what would what would the pressure be like? Um, because you have everybody else in the league that wants to do it. If Vanderbilt doesn't feel like they can, um, what would what would those discussions be like? How would how would that go? Because there would be. Uh, yeah, a large amount of pressure for the SEC to say, well, look, we're all playing. You need to play too. And, and I, I don't know how that would go. I think if, if there was an impasse and, and Vanderbilt didn't play, I think that the SEC still would. I, I think they would move ahead without them uh, for a season and schedule them out. But, uh, again, what, it should be stressed here that what we're talking about is a hypothetical. Uh, it's a hypothetical that I think would be a worst-case scenario uh, for a lot of people in the Vanderbilt Athletic Department and, you know, and I again, I don't want to construe that as Vanderbilt's the outlier because football is not as important. I don't think that really, if it comes to, I don't think that would have nearly as much to do with it as much as safety concerns of the location and the idea of what institutionally they would want to do with classes for that reason. I think that that's really the issue what we're talking about. I think the perception is it's like, well, of course, you know, Vanderbilt doesn't care as much about flight. I really don't don't think that would be the issue as much as legitimate safety concerns. And if that is the case and legitimate concerns are why Vanderbilt wouldn't feel comfortable doing it. I don't know what the SEC could do to remedy that. I mean, if somebody doesn't feel as though it's a, it's safe to do it, how do you what do you say to that? Well, and outside the SEC, like Vanderbilt has a contract with Nike. I wonder how Nike reacts to that because it's not under the same Oh, it's a different kind of agreement, I guess, than what the SEC has with Vanderbilt, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, I mean, we're opening it. And when you start talking about that, you're opening up a, a whole can of worms with, like, say, you know, players transferring or what does that mean for, you know, coaches, what they what they would get paid over the year. I mean, th- th- there's so many questions that would come up out of that. And I, I think the neatest and cleanest way is to go ahead and, and play and, and have a season. Um, if someone were to ask me right now what I think is going to happen, that's what I think would happen. But, uh, again, it would be it would be nice and, and, until we have that assurance uh, from the university that, yeah, we're going to try to go forward with in-person classes and business as normal for all our uh, student organizations and groups th- this fall, then, then there's going to be a question about it. Any sense of where the chancellor stands in this too, because if he's coming in, I, I don't remember, I want to say, I can't remember if the official start date was June 1st or July 1st, but whatever, it's either happened or happening uh, so he gets dropped into the midst of all this too, and so that's another factor that really hasn't been discussed. I don't know if it's pertinent or not, but but it's another thing that just makes this an interesting case. Yeah, I think it is July first, and, and if um, you know, all the the verbiage from the school has been that the decision would be made in the next few weeks, meaning probably in June. I would think in terms of how they go forward for for classes, and, and it should be stressed too that a lot of the the different colleges, when they've, when they've made these statements, some have come with a varying degree of, of force. Some sound more tentative than others. Uh, there's so much uncertainty to this that, that you do wonder, you know, I think another aspect you wonder about is a lot of these, you know, schools are bringing players back and, and testing them all, and you're seeing some positive tests. Not a lot, but some. And, you know, how does that affect it? Or what's the testing going to be like? What what happens during the season when, when this happens? If that happens, they could take a, a team out. There's going to be so much uncertainty to this. I, I think most teams are going to try to play and kind of see what happens. Uh, the, the pro, one thing about this, too, is it, it is it is moving quickly every week. It seems things are different. We learn more about the virus, how to treat it, that sort of thing. So I think there is more confidence that the season is going to come off as planned now than maybe there was a month or certainly two months ago. So uh, it's important to know that, that these decisions don't, don't have to be made right now. Uh, clock's ticking, but they, they don't, they don't have to, to be made right this minute. So I think time is on Vanderbilt side here uh, and feeling comfortable to want to do this. Well, the other question I had, and I have not followed this as recently I think the California schools were making noise about not coming back to school, but I could not remember if those schools had made an official decision on that yet. Do you remember whether that's the case or not? Yeah, I want to say the Cal, like the state universities in California had said uh, they weren't planning to have in-person classes. I think that would be Cal State Fullerton, uh, schools like that. Um, I, I, I'm not sure how that would affect uh, the Pac-12, but that, that really is a sincere you know issue with all this is you go state by state feels different you go city by city every city feels different and it stands for reason that a city the size of nashville would have more um, guidelines and, and more steps that need to be taken to get back than uh than a, than a more rural location that really hasn't dealt with a lot of cases um so i think from the standpoint of that uh, Vanderbilt's location means that they, they have their own procedures and their own phases that they're going through, but they also have to abide by what the city's doing. And, and I think that 
could complicate matters here. And, and I, I, I just think that none of this is easy, but when you had the colleges come out and say, we're planning to have in-person classes in the fall, that's code for we're planning to have football. And until Vanderbilt says that, you do have to wonder. You have to wonder how that would go. That, because right now, as again, they're the only ones in the league that have it. Well, and your point about places handling it different, differently is a good one. I live down in Franklin. I don't know that I've been to Nashville more than once or twice since the pandemic started. And down here, things are starting to feel a lot more normal. You don't see as many masks. I do see them in grocery stores still, but I was at a wedding two Saturdays ago, and there were masks provided. But most basically, we got there, and we all, I think there were 70, 80 people there. We all just kind of acted the way we normally would. Um, you know, when I'm out and about here, I, I see the stores a lot more populated, uh, now, where I go to church, we keep distancing, and you have to schedule which service you're going to and things like that. So it's not a universal thing, but I've talked to people to say, boy, you know, you go to Nashville, you know, as of a week or two ago, it was a lot different. So even as proximate as those two communities are, just seems to be a vast difference in how situations are being handled. And I think in terms of the entire SEC, I mean, it's even more so. I, I you know, coming up, just thinking about this, that one of the things that jumped out was obviously Vanderbilt, their location, it's so much different than some of the other schools in the league. And it's a lot easier with a lot fewer regulations for some of these other towns to to want to be able to play. I mean, uh, in, in Vanderbilt's case, that's not just football, that's classes, that's the whole campus. It, it's understandable that they would be the ones who are maybe taking a longer look at this versus some of the other universities. Well, A, because they're a private school, and B, because of where they're located. And I, I think it, it, it it's, it's trending toward being able to do this because so many schools are trying to do it. But, you know, the risk here, Chris, is you, you don't certainly want to make an emotional decision based off the fact that, well, look, we want football season. Everybody wants football season. We want to get back to normal. But you have to, to – to feel like it's safe to do it and you have to feel like in terms of opening up your entire campus, that it's going to be safe to do that too. And I think the real hindrance could be, it's just hard to envision any school playing football. If the students aren't on campus for classes, that seems to me to be a line that's, that's been stated by several, you know, administration, administration types all around the country now for a while is to say, all right, we got in-person classes, we can do football. But if we don't, then I don't know what. Well, this is a can of worms that, again, it doesn't make a lot of sense to wade too deeply into, but there are obvious questions if they don't play football. And the biggest one I have, in addition to the stuff that directly affects football, like transfers and things like that, is how does this affect budgets? I mean, Vanderbilt is a place that traditionally has been hamstrung in one way or the other by the university, either having to send the school back a scholarship check for all the athletes to having its donors in athletics compared or declared off limits by the school because they feel like donations are cannibalizing from them. So, at a place where money has always been an issue, you know, you may not have even gone there yet, uh, but but maybe you have off the record. I'm interested 
to know your opinion of what you think things will be like for the other programs if this were to wind up a doomsday scenario? I mean, it would be tough. I, I, at this point, I don't think Vanderbilt ha- has any plans to cut any sports the way, and, and, and you really haven't seen that for Power 5 schools. That's been, you know, some of the, the smaller D1 universities that have been faced with this. But I think any athletic director um, at any school in the SEC or in a Power 5 conference would have to get really, really squeamish about the idea of not having football revenue. It would get bad real fast. And, and I think, you know, again, with Vanderbilt, we don't see the numbers because they're a private school, but I, I can't believe they're any different uh, from the rest of the league in terms of the percentage of the revenue they bring in being tied to football games. And it's just, it's almost unthinkable at places, uh, you know, Alabama, Georgia, some of these places with 90,000 seat stadiums. It's, it's, it really is unthinkable from a cultural standpoint to not have a season, but from the standpoint of the athletic departments, they're just so relying on that, that revenue that it would, it would get real bad, real fast. Now let's say a team in the league didn't want to play and say Vanderbilt did, and maybe they, they would take the hit from not having games and having fans, but you know, two schools may be taking the hit for not having fans anyway. Nobody's really worked that out yet. In terms of is the stadium going to be half full? Is it going to be a quarter full? Are they going to be able to bring in fans at all? Um, and then you're also going to be faced with a scenario that once the games do start, let's say three weeks into the season, uh, a team has an outbreak uh, in their locker room, can't play two weeks at least. Um, so what happens then? Because then they're not going to have the revenue for those games. Those games will just get canceled. Now all of a sudden they, they can't finish the season. Is that going to affect the bottom line? I mean, there's when it comes to the, the budget aspects to this, there's a lot of concerns and none of them are really very good uh, because when you take away what football brings in, it, it, it leads to, uh, it could be catastrophic for athletic departments to not have that kind of revenue in terms of what it would mean for some of the smaller programs that, that, you know, and, and again, almost every program on campus outside of football and men's basketball does not bring in revenue. This year's been so much fun, hasn't it? I tell you, it's just every every day seems to be something new. Uh, two more questions, and I'll get you out of here. I, I'm just thinking at the Power Five level. I don't know that anybody could survive. I'm thinking maybe Kansas or Kentucky. Kansas comes to the forefront more because I'm guessing the football revenues aren't there as much, just because that school's been so bad for so long, but. I think that's a blow that would be catastrophic almost any place. Yeah, and, and for Vanderbilt, you could say, well, yeah, help. their baseball program is probably worth a lot more than most baseball programs, but they didn't have the majority of their baseball season either. Yeah, and I think that's a break-even program. Yeah, I mean, I think at best you you do have some sports, you know, Olympic sports that – do better in some places than others. I mean, like schools like Georgia and Alabama have always had powerhouse gymnastics programs that draw really well. Um, but even those, I, I, they're in the hole. Uh, they're not as much in the hole as, as some other as gymnastics would be at a lot of schools. But still, it is pretty striking when you look at the revenue uh, and how much of it is tied to football uh, in the SEC. Now, I think other places, Kentucky maybe, and some other places, men's basketball. Uh, it's varying degrees of, of how much revenue that, that one would bring in. But 
football is the one that drives all of it. And it, it, it's along. Look, they're, I mean, it's really going to have to take something to, to, to wipe out SEC football season because, you know, you're already in scenarios where colleges are, and not, not just athletic departments, but colleges are hurting. And you, you just, you need that season, you know, for the financial aspect, for universities. And think about a town like Auburn. What happens to the local economy in Auburn if there's no home football? Our fans aren't allowed at games. Oh, that's the disaster. And that's, yeah. And, and there's so many places like that that they're rev- that, that so much of what they do is tied to the university and, and especially the football games. And, and it's it's frightening to think how that could go if they didn't exist. So that's honestly why I think they will exist. But And our business has taken a beating, too. I mean, you saw what happened at the Athletic on Friday. Yeah, it's funny because you, you do hear some people out there who, you know, if we in this business express some sense of caution or skepticism about the ability to play, you know, people think think there's some sort of agenda. No, we want to play. We want them to play as much as anybody. Trust me. You know, what's what's it that hitting our industry is no good. So, um, you know, I I think I think that's I, I think people want sports to come back and i think there's an awful lot of people at the pro college levels that are working very hard to make that happen but but again the nightmare scenario is if you do come back and you have some sort of issue uh, look they're going to find positive cases it's going to happen on teams and you know what happens during the season if if a team is ranking the top five and playing this this huge game and then all you know on on friday night before the game three players test positive who have clearly been around everybody else on the team for the last week. What then? I, I don't know. And I don't think anybody does. Yeah. That's again, just, it's just one can of worms after another. And, and then you get into something happens at the last minute and, and you lose. What, what happens if you have a rash of injuries and you, you got four quarterbacks on the roster and none of them can play? I mean, just, yeah, it's 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 endless. But yeah, and let, let's remember you you are playing football here. A game right. where guys get hurt anyway. Right. Yeah. So right. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 and, and and no, I mean it. It, it is the kind of thing where you talk to people, ask a question about what if, and then there's five other what ifs in response. To, I mean, it really is that way. And the people who are sorting through this are doing the best they, they can to try to make it as safe as possible. I, I think the next couple of months are really important with with those players coming back to campus. To, to establish maybe some routine of how things are going to be in the quote-unquote new normal here. But, I mean, look, these are 18- to 22-year-old kids. They're going to go live their lives. Nobody's going to go sit in a dorm room or apartment all day in quarantine. That's just not how it's going to go. And, you know, these, these are these are real things. You know, these are real issues that can come up quickly. You know, what I hope happens is – you know, the, the virus really eases up by then, and it's not as prominent. This isn't as nearly as much of an issue as we all think it can be, but that's just hope. And I think a lot of what's driving this at this point is based on hope, and that's not necessarily the best strategy. Let me go to the mailbag for one question, then I'll get you out of here, Gentry. Today's mailbag is sponsored by Vanderbilt fan Josh Minton, an independent insurance agent out of Brentwood who can take care of your insurance needs. Call him today, 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him on Twitter at joshuamintonhq or facebook.com 
forward slash J.D. Minton HQ. He's my insurance agent. Give him a try and tell him you heard about it here. Ann Arbordor says, do you see a need for some sort of national guidance by the NCAA to determine who plays and who doesn't, or at least shared metrics that would provide transparency to the other schools on the schedule? Obviously, the revenue impact is big, but so is the liability and brand image of the school. Yes, and big capital letters with an exclamation mark, yes. I have viewed that as a big problem all along that college sports sports face that pro, the pros don't. And the pros, you know, the NFL, the league office is in charge. They're going to mandate policy, and everybody else just kind of falls in line. That's a lot easier. It's, it's a lot tougher when it's kind of a Wild West scenario with everybody for themselves. And I think that is what colleges are facing. It's tough to mandate be done. I think you're going to need some sense of leadership because it really could be chaos with, I mean, you guys know where if one state doesn't think another, especially if it's like a non-conference, you know, across the country and one state doesn't like the policies that are put in place in another state and that team's come, they don't want to play them on a football field. Um, I think having a sense of national leadership is going to would be important here, and they're just not going to get it. That's not happening uh, with the way things are going right now. I would just get a sense from look, accountability and transparency are going to be very important with all this, and that is not something major college football programs do very well. It just isn't. They're they're they are not in a scenario where they have to release injuries the way the NFL does every week, and as a result, a lot of schools don't do it, and a lot. Uh, they're very tight-lipped with when it comes to personnel decisions. Players who are available, certainly, you've got you know maybe some HIPAA regulations with 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 health stuff. But I think oftentimes you'll see programs kind of hide behind that a little bit because they don't want the opponents to know what they're doing. Um, with this sort of thing, I think the accountability and transparency is times ten of what it would be normally, and letting people know what's going on. And I don't think colleges are going to be very good at that. I don't. I think they you could see a scenario where there is a problem with tests and it never gets out. And colleges don't say anything. You just show up at the game on Saturday, and all of a sudden, twenty guys aren't dressed out. You can probably guess why, but uh, they're not. You know, if there's a game to be played, they're not going to want their opponent to know that. And I think that is a uh, that that is never a good thing. I think it's usually a problem in college sports, but it's, it'd be a huge problem with this. Yeah, I, I didn't even think about HIPAA as it relates to that. I mean, they just legally you can't comment on that. It it's kind of a gray area. I mean, if there's some approval from from the the guardians or the the kids, I think right, right, but, yeah, yeah. It's I it's mean, just you know if, if if you can come out and say so and so has a shoulder injury, then you could conceivably say this too. Um, so I think um, you know in some cases that is that is a real sticky point. But I, I think a lot of times you'll see schools kind of hide behind that and coaches will because they just don't want the opponents to know who's hurt. Yeah, I mean, the SEC is that way anyway. They they don't want anybody to know anything about anything, and, and so I, I think you're right on that. But, you know, and another thing, too, now that I think about it, what what happens if Saturday comes and, and both your coordinators get sick? I mean, it's just – it's like I said, it's, it's this bottomless pit of things to deal with that the further you go into this, it's just one after another. Well, we can do that positive, Matt, though, as we're, as we're talking. There was a – 
a story out this afternoon that, that there's a growing suspicion that asymptomatic carriers are not nearly as uh, contagious as once believed. Uh, you know, you, for every a story saying that, you can probably find five that don't. But uh, that's pretty encouraging. That's encouraging because if, if that is established uh, to where – because a lot of cases so far on teams have been asymptomatic. So uh, now those temperature screenings would probably be enough. Um, if that's the case and that, uh, so I, and that, again, I, I've, I've always, I've been optimistic about this throughout. I think, you know, I've been optimistic. They find a, a medication that it's not a cure, but you can, but it keeps it from being as severe or, or a situation like that, where you learn more about the virus and you learn, okay, here's what we don't need to worry about. And here's what we can do, do to try to combat it. You know, football's always had that advantage in that this all started in, in the spring and you had a while for football season that for everybody to kind of figure things out on how we can play. I think that's helpful. And, and I think that is what's going to happen, but you know, there's going to be so many things to this. If they play that, that, that are different that we haven't even thought of, you know, things like where do you stand on the sideline? You, you want to be farther apart. So are the sidelines any bigger? Are they going to let guys spread all the way down to the end zone instead of the 25 yard lines? I, things like that. It's just going to be nonstop. Well, the act of social distancing on the sidelines seems absurd when in the next breath you're sending a guy in to go tackle someone. Exactly. Yes. Agreed. And I think, yeah, I think if you're a cornerback trying to cover a receiver, I don't think social distancing is really going to help you very much. <laughs> exactly. Gentry, I've kept you a while. I appreciate you coming on with us today. I know you guys are doing a good job at the Tennessean of churning out content in spite of not having a whole lot to cover. Uh, tell folks what you're working on next and where they can find it. Yeah, well, I think there was kind of a perception that without sports games, there wouldn't be any sports to write about. If anything, there's been more sports to write about. Because as we said, there's, there's a lot of questions right now about what happens. We've got, everything we've gone over in the podcast, I mean, those questions are only growing. Um, so, yeah, we've got plenty going on. Uh, you can find my columns at Pantheon.com. Follow me on Twitter at Gentry underscore And uh, we, we would appreciate you uh, taking us out. Gentry, thank you for your time and joining us today. Have a great summer, and I hope I'll be seeing you in the press box at Vandy this fall. Yeah, you bet. Take care. You bet. He's Gentry Estes of the Tennessee, and I'm Chris Lee, the host of the Vandy Sports Podcast. We appreciate you listening. Should have more episodes dropping later in the week.